got the dummies, Ben and JJ, coming at you with wisdom from the Bible and beyond. This is Dummies with Wisdom. Welcome to the premiere episode of Dummies with Wisdom. Yo, yo, yo. You got Ben and JJ live hot on the mics. Woo. <laughs> Today's topic that we're going to talk about is how do we hold others accountable, uh, both Christians and non-believers alike. So I just want to start really with the uh, the baseline of Romans 12, verse 2, which is a really well-known verse. Uh, it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So Romans 12, 2 gives us that foundation that God tells us to have our minds transformed by him. And I want to point out, too, that is a passive verb. It's not that we transform our minds. God transforms our minds, and it's us like opening ourselves up to that. And Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that we already have our minds transformed. So yeah. when it's, it's part of that already, not yet, like the kingdom um, throughout the New Testament, is we are transformed initially. We're constantly being transformed as part of that process of sanctification, right. which gives us a whole different standard than people who aren't saved. Because we both are living in sin at one point before we're saved. Us and, you know, let's call them worldly people. Yeah. We're both at that same benchmark. And then we get saved and shoot off on a whole different trajectory based on that initial transforming of our minds. Because of that, we're going to have a different standard yeah. for everything we do in life, for right and wrong, yeah. For good and bad. Mm-hmm. We're because we're on two completely different standards. And I mean, I totally get why like non-believers think that it's a work-based system because that's it makes sense. It well, yeah. totally does. I mean, every other system is that way. At least what we know. There's nothing to base that off of for non-believers and but then for believers that's what's so freeing is that it's not about us. It's not about our ability to continue in the sanctification process and this righteousness, but it's in the in the face and the reality of what Christ has done that has made us clean and we have this ability to move forward no matter what we have done, no matter what we've been, no, even no matter what we continue to go through. I think that's a huge aspect that a lot of, maybe I don't know, a lot of believers just don't really understand, not only for themselves, but I think we see a lot of that judgment come from that aspect of that misunderstanding of what it, what that, what even what we were just talking about with that verse of what that truly means to believers. When we ask the question of how do we keep other people accountable, I think the question is what are we holding them accountable to? Right. And there's a there's a couple different different things at play here, and I, for lack of any better terminology, I'm going to call it universal sin and mm-hmm. biblical sin. Universal sin being things that most people would agree is wrong, mm-hmm. things like murder, rape. Um, what else is bad? Um, there are many things that are bad. Okay, we'll just stick with those two. Things like that. Sure. I mean, that, that, gives, that drives the point home. And then there's biblical sin right. of things that the world wouldn't consider wrong, but we, we as believers, we as Christians do based on, based on the Bible. So things mm. like um, divorce, sexual immorality, uh, anger even, something as simple as that. Even the extents of drinking and having fun, even to those extents too. Exactly, exactly. And so there's there's different standards that we must hold to for different people. Obviously believers, we still hold them to a standard. You don't say just because you're not a believer, well, yeah, I totally understand why you had to kill him. No, that's mm-hmm. not a thing. And right. with Christians too, we hold them to a, to their own standard. 
Mm-hmm. So we have to we have to recognize that there is like there's there's some things that are just wrong. Like right. you cannot really argue it. Right. But there's other things that the Bible determines as wrong. But if you don't believe the Bible, then why would you believe those things are wrong? And I've always liked in Second uh, Timothy two, or really whenever um, Paul uses um, the idea of the military and soldiers to kind of make a lot of points. But one of my favorites in Second uh, Timothy, uh, he says, "No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits." since his aims or since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him and that's uh, verse four but the idea of that when the military or when the military member dons a uniform or even when um you know just putting into modern idea you know the, the firefighter wears his uniform the police officer wears his uniform there's you know those civil servants who go out and they live by a certain code they live by certain ideals that um the rest of the populace looks to them to uphold those ideals. And I think that's a bit, that's a important distinction to make as believers that yes, we across humanity, we're all sinful. We all have issues, but that idea of yes, non-believers are kind of swimming in what do we follow? What do we believe? But as believers in even a much bigger way than the military or even the civil servants that uh, serve our country and our communities that we live by a code we live by a lifestyle that the lord has brought to us and that's not to hinder us but that's to give us even more freedom so i think that we can kind of use that whole analogy as a separate analogy in that we are saying that when when Jim puts on the uniform, whatever that uniform may be, we hold him to a different standard. In that same way, when one of us puts on the uniform that is, hey, let's 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 make this real biblical. When one of us puts on the armor of God, there you go. We hold them to a to a different standard. We hold them right. There's there. It's not just a you can't murder people, as Jesus said. You you can't be full of anger. Right. With that said, though, how do we how do we handle when we screw up? Being in the military uh, just in the last two years and going through pilot training, man, I can't even, I've definitely, I think my mistakes and just my own issues heavily heavily outweigh the good stuff I've done, but I've also learned a lot from those mistakes. But I think the biggest lesson I've learned is how do we bounce back from those mistakes and even even the idea that it's all right to make mistakes. So as believers... I think the whole point that we're trying to get toward and make is, yes, we have a different set of values and a different expectation compared to non-believers, but how do we handle a situation that a believer messes up, no matter how big or how small? I think there's there's two main points to that, and the one is to, to remember the plank that Jesus talks about. Um, why do you why do you see basically why do you see the speck in your brother's eye and not notice the plank in your own eye? Mm-hmm. He says that in Matthew seven five and Luke six forty two. And so I mean we we do got to remember that, but I think we also we all, we have, we got to call people on the crap. We can't yeah. we can't cower behind uh, a false idea of love or acceptance or whatever the case may be. the The point is that if other people are going to claim association with Jesus, yeah, with the Christian faith with God himself, mm-hmm. of which I'm I'm also associating myself. Right. We can't be living completely different lifestyles. Yeah. And that means one of us has to be called out on our crap. Right. So getting to the meat of our question, I think from even the both the backgrounds that we've come from, 
the accountability part and the kind of quote-unquote kicking our brothers in the butt idea has been enforced very well but it the love aspect and the the caring and the bringing along as a brother or even maybe the idea of a teammate maybe hasn't quite been done well but then also you know we have the argument of maybe there's a little too much love and not enough accountability and there's not enough understanding of the severity of our sin so how do we love our brothers and sisters how do we bring them along in that grace but then blending that with the truth of the word of god and the standard that we're held to so i think a, a good kind of illustration on this was I, I had a varsity basketball coach in high school who was who was a yeller you know he was oh yeah um no he now he would he would never swear or anything like he was mm-hmm. it wasn't like a rude he was just, he was he yelled that was his thing right. and um personally i i never you know there were some people that had a problem with it because he was always yelling at, at something. But um, in practices, I I never it never bothered me that he was yelling at us mm-hmm. because he would yell at us in one point and the next, you know, we'd run the play again and then he'd tell us, you know, ran it perfectly. Yep. So it wasn't it wasn't just a beating a dead horse of you're terrible, you're terrible, you're terrible. It was you're terrible. Do it this way. Yep. And then we do it that way. And he says, good job. A coach is, it's kind of a good symbol for, for Christianity and how we should correct others in that, I mean, exactly how you just said, we can't just sit there and tell people what, why they're terrible and, and what they're doing wrong. And that's kind of what Jesus was going out with the whole uh, speck in the plank. Right. But at the same time, we can't just, you know, go along with this whole modern mentality of we love you, we accept you, do right. whatever you want, because that's, that's just, that's anti-biblical. It's right. heresy. Right. And a story that, that comes to mind from back in the day. Um, I've always had an issue with, I guess, not necessarily the church, but believers almost forcing repentance, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so I'm kind of taking a little bit of a different avenue that you just took, but um, had a friend who um, had some, did stuff with a girl, to put it lightly. Um, and when we, when it was brought to the attention of the church, the church themselves basically, they to bring the long story short, basically forced the individual to apologize. Now, from my personal opinion, I did not think that, for one, on my friend's behalf, that he was sincere in that apology. I didn't think that he was at the point where he necessarily, maybe even he knew that he had messed up, but he didn't really understand maybe the gravity of it yet. Um, at that point, I think all the shame and the guilt and the issues that he had felt had nothing to do with his relationship with the Lord. I think it had everything to do with the shame that the church was bringing on him, the shame that he had brought his family. And for me, that's the biggest issue. I think when we as believers, our idea of accountability, I think is sometimes skewed. I think that the church a lot of times in their effort to bring accountability in order to bring um, the word of God even to the forefront, which I think in all of those ways are great and maybe even like necessary as far as what we are called to do as a church. A lot of times that it, that it just brings on shame because there's a misunderstanding of the individual who is committed to sin or is involved in the sin or maybe just having an issue of coming out of a pattern of sin. And they don't know how, and we rush straight to the, the the trial. We stri- right. we run straight to the judgment part of it, and skipping over, this is a brother that 
is either in the middle of a struggle or maybe completely misunderstand is misunderstanding where they're coming from in their issue. And I think not only with that story, but with all sorts of other issues with other people that I've seen that and even talking to people who are not, you know, conservative and why they're not conservative, that is almost like their big beef is that there's too much rushing to the end and not enough grace and willingness to put in the dirty work to help our fellow brothers and sisters move along with us. Right. Which goes, I mean, cause I, I grew up in an area, it was not by the time I was there, but like my parents' generation, we were in an area. If, if someone got their girlfriend pregnant, they had to go in front of the church and, you know, apologize. And that was, um, that was just the way it was. And I think it's the same thing that you're going to have a lot of disingenuous apologies or, right. I mean, it's not even, not even a real, it's a fake repentance at that point, right. which I think kind of brings up, it's, of the difference of of like the shame the guilt culture that that perpetuates mm. yep. versus enlightening right um because i mean i i think a lot of that's the case but you and i have had, had had conversations about our own personal struggles and we know what our struggles right. are i mean it, not that we know what they are i mean we do but mm. we know that they're wrong right. and we struggle with them yeah. which is different than not knowing we're doing something wrong um, and I think that's especially in the life of early or especially in the early stages of Christianity, you're, you're not going to know what um, what's right and wrong. Um, I remember a few years ago, I haven't heard anything about this since, but apparently Shia LaBeouf converted to Christianity like um, um, the movie Fury. When he was in Fury, yeah. he was like the pastor guy in the uh, in the tank. Mm-hmm. And apparently that movie led him to Christ. Again, I don't know if that actually that was years ago. I haven't yeah. heard anything since. But like the uh, the week after it, like he converted, somebody asked him something, and his response was like "f yeah," about like about Christianity, right? And people went berserk about like he's a Christian, he shouldn't be saying that, right? But which yes, I mean yes, that is valid. Mm-hmm. But he's not at that point yet. Like if you're, it, it'd be like if uh, if I led someone someone to to the faith, and two days later he said so um. Uh, what are your what are your opinions on uh, free will uh, versus predestination? And you know, is once saved always saved a thing? Mm-hmm. Like you're not gonna know that right yeah. off the bat. Which brings in the need for discipleship and everything. Mm-hmm. We need to enlighten them. We need to encourage them. We can't just create this shame culture because a shame culture does not actually bring results. Right, and then to bring culture into it, people come from a lot of different backgrounds. People come from a lot of different ways of viewing the world. From spending time with people from the south from people from the north from people from the east coast the west coast from the suburban areas to country living to right in the heart of town even within christianity there's a lot of just different ways of viewing how how one lives their life which is that's something that even me and you have talked about of what does that even look like like yes we are all the body of christ but how do we even how do we how are we supposed to live as one body when at least in my opinion i kind of look at the world and i'm like man this person in this culture is living this way this person in another culture think this thinks this is okay when i kind of look at scripture i'm like i don't really see that as okay even the whole alcohol you know topic alone a good a good explanation of that would be um you know some i I, you know i've heard of people that you know they started a bible study at a bar because that's where the people were that needed the bible Mm -hmm. some people are going to be opposed to that because they're at the bar they're associating themselves in that Right. You and I are not going to have a problem with that. Mm-hmm. It's not a, not necessarily a matter of what is sin, but what is the sin. Because in some areas, 
Like, I mean, like you, like you said with the alcohol thing, some, some churches, some denominations, absolute absence from alcohol is really important. The assemblies of God, that's one of their like, what are the fundamental truths? I think they call it right. like the core values of the denomination. Mm-hmm. What I wish and what I truly believe would fix a lot of the issues, not that it would fix all of them, but that we would get down and get dirty in that kind of middle section. Because, yes, like, we can all jump to conclusions on what the other person believes. We can even, I mean, just to put it bluntly, we can hate on what other people believe. Even the extent of, oh, you don't drink, you know, I'm going to, in spite of you, I'm going to drink. Or vice versa. Or, you know, I don't think language is really that big of a deal. And other people are like, you know, I think I'm going to hell if I, you know, say one word off. If we can get down and dirty with each other, I think there would be a much bigger understanding of what are we, what's the big goal? Kind of like what you talked about. What is the main sin? You know, not what, what are all these little actions that we could do? I think that's a huge misunderstanding. What is the main sin? What is the main issue going on? How can we grow from, how can we grow from this? Not only as the person who is maybe in the act, but also the person who is along the ride, who is the person that is, you know, willing to go and be like, you know what, I'm going to get in the trenches with you and I'm going to fight this battle with you. And out from that, there should be change on both ends. Hopefully, you know, the, the big sin that is at hand is restricted, but also from the person who is willing to get in the fight comes out unchanged. Yeah. So we're talking about the big sin and what people's mind is, but theologically and you know practically the big sin is sin itself mm-hmm. which i think goes into you know because we've been talking a lot about christianity but you know those outside the faith we often as a church and we're again we're, do, we're doing terrible at this um and not to shame the church but we're doing terrible at trying to bridge that gap between love and acceptance and not really honestly not giving a crap about people because that's right. really what honestly what it is hmm. and going to the other extreme of this person's not a Christian. They've mm-hmm. done X, Y, and Z, but they got drunk. And mm-hmm. then we throw like that as if that's that like we try to shame them from that. Right. So the way that we ought to be holding non believers accountable to the Bible is by teaching them and showing them mm. the gospel and that they would understand what sin is because honestly we keep going at this as though sin is a matter of sins and there is a point to be made there because we're called to a righteous life we're Mm -hmm. called to not be sinning right but we also live in sin sin is not just a matter of our sins our sins are a matter of our sin right if we're so busy pounding the nail of you need to stop all these individual sins we're missing the entire point of the gospel jesus Mm -hmm. came to die for our sin not our individual sins you and i every single believer from mother Teresa to adolf hitler is gonna sin in every moment of every day because we are sinful people jesus came to redeem us and reconcile us from that not our individual sins and it's if we don't understand that then there's no reason to hold anybody accountable because we're not trying to hold people accountable yeah. to a perfect life. We're trying to hold them accountable to... Well, we're trying to hold them accountable to the perfect way that the Lord has made. Like, you're, you're, trying, you're not holding them accountable to a set of rules. You're trying to show them... Which is the gospel. 
which is the gospel, that there is so much freedom, there is so much life to be made when you live like this. And I think that's the biggest misunderstanding of when we are trying to keep other people accountable. And therefore, the message that is received is, I'm not good enough. I need to, I, right there, I need to keep myself on par with these rules. When I wholeheartedly believe, and I think this is littered throughout, not littered, that's a bad way to put it, but like, this is, you know, you can find this everywhere throughout the Bible of there is sin, there's even a pattern of sin. Yes, the Lord is going to punish it. He's going to address it. But he's pleading with his people, with the person to come back to him as they are. I want to reiterate what you said because I think I think it's a it's a right train of thought being taught in a terribly wrong way. Mm-hmm. You said the train of thought is I'm not good enough. I need to change. Right. And we pound that into people's heads. Yeah. We pound into your head. You're not good enough. You're a sinner. Repent. And kind of going back to what you said mm-hmm. about making people repent and that shame culture. I think even intentionally too. Sometimes. Exactly. But that is the message of the gospel in a different way. Right. The the entire gospel is the fact that we are not good enough. Mm-hmm. Not that I need to change. I need to be changed. Yeah. And we we focus so hard on, again, going back to holding everybody accountable and, and correcting and teaching. We focus so much on the I'm not good enough or you're not good enough or we're not good enough mm-hmm. that we don't think about the fact that we all need to be changed mm-hmm. constantly. It's right. we, we never we're never fully sanctified until we get to heaven. We're never we're never going to reach perfection. Right. And we need to learn that I'm not good enough is a fact. It's not a mindset. Right. Jesus calls us saints. We are his. We are chosen. We're we're declared righteous. Yep. But we're still sinners. Right. Our need for the gospel does not end at our conversion. We don't yeah. it's it's not like a prize where once we have it like we just have it and we go on with our lives. We constantly need the gospel mm-hmm. because we, and I mean, we do need to be reminded of that, that we aren't good enough. Cause as soon as we stop realizing that we get stuck in pride and we get stuck in this, right. this whirlwind of, I can do it myself. Mm-hmm. And then, then we get, that's when that's honestly, that's when we fall Right is when we get caught up in that pride and think I can do this myself, whether we think that actively or whether that's, you know, back of your mind mm-hmm. subconsciously of, I got this. That's when we fall the hardest. And when we fall the hardest, that's when we need people there to pick us up in love. Maybe show us why we were wrong if we don't understand. Mm-hmm. But beyond that, help us get back up. So when the main point becomes Jesus, not our sin or not even our great lifestyle, it leads us into action and it leads us into the ability to, I love how Paul says, you know, can in basically in the same breath, not really in the same breath, but in the same mindset, be I am the worst of sinners, but then also tell his readers, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And can talk about how, you know, we are saved by grace through faith. Of all of those types of um, the verses and the, the ideas that he spreads, that when it becomes about Jesus, it doesn't become about us, and that leads us into action. And I love that idea of Paul saying, "I imitate, or imitate me as I imitate Christ." And I think that's that's the that's the main points that we're looking for: the sin, not these little sins, but the sin. The main point of what we're trying to find 
is what is the sin? Not these little sins, but the sin and the heart of what we're doing. Not only not all the little actions that are, you know, that we have made into sin, which granted, like I do understand that there are certain actions that can lead us down a path more easily. And I wholeheartedly believe right, that. Right. But to say that these actions are sin, I think is hugely important to say that we cannot pin that action to someone when we can work hard to try to find what that sin actually is. So to conclude this this episode, quite honestly, we didn't really necessarily stay on topic there, but I think it honestly really just shows what the Bible is about in this whole thing. Inadvertently, we we didn't even have this structure this way. We ended going to the gospel mm-hmm. and that's what Christianity is. It's not a matter of do's and don'ts. It's not a matter of shame. It's not even just a matter of repentance. It's a matter of understanding that we are fallen creatures mm. that we don't, we're not going to get it right all the time. Right. We're not going to get it right most of the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, even kind of like you just said, honestly, it's, it's not a matter of, of the individual sins. It's getting at the heart of the sin. And there's going to be times where we think something's right and it's wrong. And there's right. going to be times where we think something's wrong and it's perfectly acceptable. And there's going to be times when other people influence that as well. Yeah. And honestly, what this all just this, this whole thing comes back to the gospel because we do need to hold others accountable. Mm-hmm. That's biblical. Jesus tells us to do that. Paul tells us to do that. It's honestly when you just take the whole summation of scripture. Right. There is a righteous way to live. We need to stop making it only about the individual sins right make it make it mainly about the sin itself the sinful heart while still understanding that individual sins can and do make a difference especially depending on uh what part of you know if it's a huge you know man cheats on his wife that's a that's something we Mm -hmm. need we need to address we can't just brush that under the rug right not every individual sin is worthy of our condemnation yeah. towards other people. Every sin does condemn us before God, but every individual sin is not worth us going after people for. It's the sin. It's it's the deeper sin. It's the roots of those sin. And I think what you and I are screaming out for our brothers and sisters to join us on is to join us in the fight. Because I think too often we get to where people jump to these actions and these granted sinful actions, but there's no meat to it. It's just, okay, here was the start. I'm just going to rush to the end and we're screaming with people. I mean, at least if I'm in sin, I would hope that you would jump in to help me in whatever form that was, whether it's to be loving, to be gracious, to kick me in the butt in the whole spectrum. I think there's a place for all of those things, but of course, we're going to come off as judgmental if you're not going to jump in the fight. Of course, there's going to be no depth to fixing the issues that we have if you're not going to jump into the fight. And I think that's the biggest thing that we're trying to communicate. And not just in this. Right. Don't be a nominal Christian who's there to fight only when the battle comes. Yeah. We have to be, you're either Christian or you're not. Exactly. You don't have to go to the Western plains of Africa to serve the Lord. Would love it if you did. You don't have to go to China to go serve the Lord. We'd love it if you did. But you can't go to Africa. You can't go to China if you're not serving the Lord here. Right. If you have a brother and sister in need here, that's where you need to serve. You have to. There's no if, and, or but. 
So just to reiterate, our question today was how do we hold others accountable? Mm -hmm. For believers, we must hold them to the standard of righteousness that the Bible declares Mm -hmm. in order to edify them and doing all of this, not just with love, but in love. To non-believers, we hold them accountable to what we would understand as as universal sin or just natural law of of morality. Mm -hmm. But we interact with them in love, holding ourselves to a standard of righteousness Hmm. that they might recognize that and come join the fight. And actionably, on both sides, believers and non-believers, you jump in the fight with them. And that's all the time we got for today. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this podcast of Dummies with Wisdom. To give us comments, ask questions, or submit pictures of other dummies you find in the wild, email us at dummieswithwisdom at outlook.com or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash dummieswithwisdom. 